It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, hope you're having a good day or night or morning or tomorrow. Or hope you're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's show, she's being brought to you in a part of I. Sal's and Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get a decent Italian meal and I just uh, I'm just uh, uh, getting over eating uh, all of Sal's uh, food at his restaurant with our event last week uh, wish you guys could have been there we had a lot of people there but uh, we'd like to have more next time so stay tuned. We are going to do another uh, Billy C. event uh, soon. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino, uh, From Bondage to Best Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of it literally right now where you're watching or listening to the show. Uh, just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Um, if you're looking to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. Just visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on uh, the book. You can't uh, miss it. Uh, it's uh, right there. So uh, make sure you uh, get a copy today, uh, if you, especially if you want a uh, signed uh, copy. You know. But uh, anyway, um, coming up on the show today, uh, we got... Uh, we got some stuff to talk about. First and foremost, um, you know, I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that, you know, the big fight that's uh, coming up uh, in uh, uh, another couple of weeks, uh, we got uh, uh, Triple G against uh, um, Canelo. And, you know, that is uh, um, a fight that, in my opinion, it's a must-see fight. I mean... Um, there's no question about it. It's a must-see fight. Uh, not only do we have uh, two young, uh, and even though even though Triple G is not really young per se, I mean he's 35, believe it or not. Um, you know, I, in my opinion, we have two fighters uh, that are. Uh, uh, I'm going to say at their peak. Okay, uh, even though Triple G has seen better days. 
Uh, I still believe he's he's uh, what I would call at his peak. And uh, Canelo, uh, although he started uh, young, has really come into his own. The end result is we have two fighters uh, that uh, um, are uh, where they're supposed to be. Uh, they've had uh, uh, this parallel and, you know, they're finally getting in a ring together. Yes, maybe we waited uh, a little too long uh, for this fight uh, to happen. Maybe this fight should have happened uh, a little sooner. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still happening relatively uh, in the right time frame. And I'm looking forward to this fight. I, 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 can't, uh, I, I can't express uh, any negativity towards this fight I mean, these two guys have been uh, pretty civil uh, uh, with each other uh, going to this fight. You know that they're both taking this fight very seriously. Um, I doubt you're going to hear any excuses at the end of the fight. Uh, it is what it is. You know, we haven't heard of uh, any BS injuries or anything like that. Um, it, it's going to be here in two weeks. And as we get closer and closer, the excitement level uh, is coming on. Now, um, you know, one thing I, I want to make sure, sure that you guys understand as far as pure boxing and boxing fans this obviously uh is uh, a must see uh for the for the majority of the fans because um this fight was sold out relatively quickly now remember it's being held in the same venue uh as that other fight last week was held uh which uh, really wasn't a real fight and that fight by the way was never sold out it was never sold out now, granted, they did a gazillion buys, uh, and I don't think that Triple G and Canelo will surpass that uh, because I, I'm not so sure you're going to get a crossover. Uh, but from a boxing perspective, this is the fight, and uh, I'm excited about that fight. Joining me right now, uh, finally, I don't know what's going on over there, uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, um, you know, as we get closer to this fight, obviously we're going to be talking talking uh, more about it, but... Um, to me, this is a must-see fight, uh, not only for boxing fans, but, you know, even for fans that use, you know, like when I talk to uh, people, they find out what I do, you know, they always say, I used to be a boxing fan. Well, now I'm telling them, well, listen, this is a fight. If you missed Anthony Joshua uh, fight, uh, Klitschko, this is a fight that will get you back into the sport. What's your thoughts on uh, Triple G Canelo being must-see uh, in terms of uh, a boxing matchup? Billy, you said it best. It's a must-see. This is the fight. This is going to be the fight of the year, easy. And you have two combatants who are passionate, who are dedicated, who are truly fighters, boxers, uh, opponents, uh, champions. They're, they're, they're the natural, the real thing, the real deal in their own right. And, you know, they, got e they have egos, and they have passion, and they have fire in their bellies. And this is going to be probably one of the best fights we've seen in a long time. And we've been we've been given a lot of good fights this year, but this one I think is going to be the signature fight. And as you said, this is the kind of fight that boxing fans can return to and see. And uh, I'm so excited. And you know, like we have said many times before, this fight two years ago, a year and a half ago, it wouldn't have been a question. I would have said Triple G automatically for a multitude of reasons. However, I really feel this is a 50-50 fight going in. I still feel in my heart of hearts that Triple G is going to be one, the one with his hand raised um, in victory at the end of the fight, but uh, it's not going to be easy. 
and it's going to be a great fight, and he's going to have to earn everything to do this. And you know what? Each fighter will have this, they have a mutual respect, and the fans will be given a great, great show, and uh, they'll be just as well in their career going forward after this fight. That's, you know what? That's a good point, Sal, because, you know, with the uh, with the way boxing is today, the landscape of the sport, and the way management, let's just blanket management in boxing, the way they try to move their fighters and, and protect the O's and uh, the networks, look at the value of a fighter with the O, you're 100% correct in saying that, you know, a, a loss, whoever comes, somebody's going to have to lose this fight. Unless uh, we get a draw, okay. but somebody's going to have to lose this fight, and and I and I agree with you. I don't think that a loss is going to hurt either one of of these guys in the large scope of things. However, I will add this: you know, Canelo is so much younger than Triple G, and Triple oh, yeah. G, you know, he's recently stated that he feels he's got five more years left. Uh, which is, uh, you know, he's thirty five. I mean, you know, yes, uh, fighters are in much better shape today. But that's a pretty uh, pretty bold statement. I think that there is some significant. Although I've preached and preached about the O not being important and stuff, you know, I want to contradict myself here for a second because I, I do believe that Triple G. I think the O is important to Triple G, especially uh, for this fight. A lot of naysayers and and people that aren't Triple G fans have doubted uh, his uh, uh, his skill set. And they've said things like he hasn't fought anybody, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that a win here for him is more important to clarify any doubters out there. What do you think? I think you're right. However, I'm going to tell you something. He still has an O. And guess what? He hasn't looked tremendous. He hasn't looked like the, the Triple G everybody was uh, assuming they'd see. When he fought world-class opposition, he fought Daniel Jacobs, and he fought Kell Brook. And Kell Brook probably is going to be retiring. He's got two crushed orbital bones. The first one from Triple G, which probably helped uh, uh, weaken the structure of his other side. Who knows? And, uh, I mean, he crushed the guy's face with a punch. I mean, that's pretty darn powerful. That's big. And uh, the second one, Daniel Jacobs. I've seen that fight more and more. Daniel Jacobs, great fighter, great thing. But the freaking uh, the guy came in like a beast. He was 20 pounds heavier. He looked like a light heavyweight. And Triple G did enough, and he outboxed him, and he won. He won that fight. Uh, it was close, but he still has gone against world-class opposition. These guys are world beaters. And uh, uh, I think you can cut him a little slack because maybe he didn't look like a... a one punch Kelly to knock somebody out and 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 uh, in inside the first five rounds. Hey, guess what? The guy still won. He won the fight. He fought his heart out. He did what he had to do. Sniffles, colds, weight, whatever whatever reason that was ailing him going into the training and everything else. I don't want to hear this. We haven't heard that. And I think it's been great behind closed doors. We don't hear he's peaked. We don't hear he's he's drained. We don't hear anything else like that. That's great. Because he's got to step up in two weeks, two and a half weeks, and he's going to have the fight of his life. And against Canelo Alvarez, they're going to both bring out the best out of each other. And that's what rising to the occasion, that's what facing the top opposition is going to do. And, you know, what? Triple G is, is the Triple G that you've always seen and believed in. 
and he's going to be up for this fight. So you're going to see the real Triple G that, that's going to be out there. And you're going to see Canelo Alvarez at his best. That's what's so significant, that these two world-class fighters are going to face each other, and they're going to be at their very best for each other. And they're going to rise to the occasion, and that's what's going to make this fight so beautiful. You know, people are saying he lost his step. Uh, he didn't look all that great in, in both the fights you suggest, uh, Kel Brook and, 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 of course, Daniel Jacobs. Um, you know, there's been uh, some talk uh, from his uh, uh, trainer, uh, Abel uh, Sanchez, that, uh, uh, you know, they did it purposely to, to, you know, get the Canelo fight and everything, which I don't believe. I, you know, the, the thing is, is I, I will admit, and I, and, I, and I will also admit that I'm a Triple G fan, but I will admit that I, I, I was a little surprised that Daniel Jacobs – um, went the distance with him. I was a little surprised that Triple too. G didn't finish him off. Uh, oh. And then it actually looked like Triple G was giving uh, Daniel Jacobs a lot of respect. Uh, you know, he does have good punching power. I'm talking about Daniel Jacobs. And he does have, uh, you know, speed. He's got some great hand speed. Uh, but his uh, weakness really was his chin, although he didn't really display that. Aside from the knockdown in that fight, he didn't display it. And it makes me wonder, um, you know, was the respect factor uh, the main issue here? Uh, or was it uh, Triple G fading? And like you've said, uh, and, and I, I said myself as well, you know, if, if this fight took place a year, year and a half ago, I wouldn't have even batted an eye. Uh, I would have picked uh, Triple G in this fight, although I, I am still leaning towards Triple G. But right now it's a 50-50 fight. Canelo... Uh, has fought tough opposition, and you know the guy is a, a technically sound fighter. You know, um, I, I love the matchup, and I just you know I, I can't wait for it. I, I've said uh, a lot of things about uh, Canelo and and his his only weakness that I see, uh, and you know he hasn't really changed. I think that's going to play into Triple G's uh, hands. Uh, but then again, uh, you never know if Triple G did lose a step. Um, it's going to definitely show up against Canelo. Although, uh, from a uh, you know psychological point of view, could he have not been up for the Daniel Jacobs fight? Uh, and now he is. I mean, you know, everything that's come out of the uh, Triple G camp is that this is the fight we've waited for. This is the fight I turned pro for. This is the fight that you know I I want more than anything. I mean, uh, now it's up to his body to. Uh, uh, to live up to the same uh, desire uh, and, and pounding that his mind is. I mean, you know, what's that like? You know, uh, knowing that you want uh, something really bad and just not getting it from your body. Well, I know what he might be uh, thinking on that level of being an older fighter when I made my comeback. You know, I, I didn't relinquish to that level. I, I really felt my body was firing where I wanted to. And, and you know, it was uh, like I didn't miss too many steps. It was it was right there for me. And uh, after all the training, and Triple G, let's let's say this: he's he's been at his peak. These are his peak years. But I will tell you, I don't think he has three to five years left. I think he's got three to five fights left at best, maybe three. I mean, he's been in some good fights, tough wars. So I think um, you know we will we will see him again after this fight, most likely. But, uh, you know, even if he decided, hey, guess what? I, I've had enough. I'm undefeated if he wins this fight and he wants to walk away. And, you know, 
I can understand it. But uh, I think he, he only has a few good top war dog fights that left in him. That's a good point. You know, five fights. I mean, in today's world, five fights could be five years, Sal. I mean, well, you, you know, know I, I mean, really. You know what? You're right. I remember. I, I think I had five fights inside two months one time. Yeah, you know, back in the day, back in the day. I mean, they, back were, fighting, in the day. they were fighting. <laughs> you and know, I mean, and I mean, hey, way before your day. Did dial heal before my next fight two weeks? <laughs> well, way before your day, you know, uh, they were fighting, uh, you know, uh, uh, every week, you know. But uh, speaking of Triple G and Canelo, the undercard is pretty good, too. The co-main event, Jojo Diaz, uh, is taking on uh, uh, Jorge Lara um, in, uh, uh, in the uh, uh, co-main event. It's a WBC uh, title elimination fight. Jojo Diaz is a, is a quality fighter, uh, and he's stepping up here. He's 24-0 with 13 knockouts. He's taking on uh, Jorge uh, Lara who's 29-0 and 0 with uh, two uh, draws and 21 knockouts. So uh, that'll be a, a, a dis- decent one. Also on the pay-per-view, uh, we're going to see uh, Randy Caballero, uh, who was sidelined a little bit for uh, um, injury. Uh, he is uh, a former world champion. He's taken on Diego De La Hoya, both undefeated fighters. Caballero 24-0 yeah. with 14 knockouts. Diego De La Hoya, the nephew of uh, Oscar, is 19-0 with nine knockouts. This is a huge, huge step up for Diego De La Hoya. Uh, this is a guy that just has not uh, progressed uh, as well as um, I would think. You know, he uh, looks very good uh, against really weak opposition, not so much against uh, decent uh, or upper-level opposition. So um, it's, uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see that fight. Uh, I, I think... Uh, uh, that is going to be a competitive fight. And then uh, opening the uh, pay-per-view broadcast, uh, Blue Chip Martin, uh, Ryan Blue Chip Martin, undefeated 19-0. and He used to be under the, the uh, banner of uh, Rock Nation. Uh, or actually, I'm sorry, used to be under uh, uh, 50 Cent. Uh, so I guess now he's uh, uh, with Golden Boy. Uh, he's 19-0 and with 11 knockouts. I've gotten to see him fight uh, ringside a couple of times. He's very talented, uh, and he's taken on uh, Francisco... Uh, Rojo, who's uh, twenty and two, uh, another decent matchup. I mean, are they pay per view worthy uh, fights that are on this card? No, not in my opinion, Sal. They're not, uh, but they are good matchups to me. They're like uh, HBO After Dark or uh, Showbox uh, Next Generation level fights, a uh, little above ESPN. Not. Uh, you know, HBO is Showtime Championship level. Definitely not pay-per-view, but they on, are on the pay-per-view card. I would have liked to have seen uh, a couple of, you know, uh, A fighters against A fighters on this card as a pay, you know, for the pay-per-view. I, I really think they, uh, Golden Boy, fell a little short uh, with this. However, I do think they're competitive fights. What's your thoughts? Actually, hold that. Hold that thought. Oh, because I, I got to hold another yeah, thought. I, I, I didn't realize. I want uh, to get out of my head. I got to hold it. I'm, I'm, surprised you didn't, I'm surprised you didn't warn me here, but we got to take a short break. So hold that thought. And remember, the, the, the thought is the undercard. So we'll be back in two. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. and 
Radio.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, we know that uh, you can get this show in a, a lot of different ways. Uh, television, uh, radio, uh, stream, uh, YouTube, podcast. Uh, but if you're watching now, if you're watching live, or if you're watching Facebook, I forgot, or uh, we are simulcasting on uh, Facebook Live, you know, don't forget that the, the TV version, the version that goes up to the television networks, we put up on YouTube. So if you're looking to get the uh, 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 TV version, uh, check it out because uh, it's definitely enhanced and uh, you might like it better than some of the other ways uh, to watch this show. Uh, but uh, anyway. You know, Sal, uh, I'm sitting here in a, a shirt and like a light jacket. It's freezing up here. What's what's no the? Uh, I, I'm not kidding you, man. I'm not kidding you. Uh, it, it is literally. It, last night it got to into the into the uh, mid to upper 40s, um, and uh, the, when I left St. Simon's uh, last week, I was like, man, I don't know how these. The last words I was saying is, man, I don't know how you guys live here with all this humidity. I come back oh. to freezing cold, and you always say, oh. I miss it. I wish. Send me some snow. You say all that BS. You know, let me tell you something. It's drastic when it goes from, like, you know, hot, humid to this. I mean, it's like we don't have any seasons anymore. I'm hoping it warms up a little bit. Yeah. They're they're already telling me. They're in your body. Well, they're already already (laughs) telling me it's time to take the boat out. I'm like, time to take the boat out? I was on it it five (laughs) times this year, you know, but... uh, uh, anyway, so so what was your thoughts? Just before we went to break, what's your thoughts on the the uh, undercard, the pay per view undercard? I mean, they they are competitive fights. I mean, every one of them is competitive, but are they pay per view worthy? Well, here's the thing, Bill. In my heart of hearts, I'm telling you this: they're good competitive fights. But I've never, ever, ever in the past, the present, or in the future. Will worry about buying a pay-per-view event for the undercard. I wouldn't even care about that. I mean, I'd love to see good competitive fights. Don't get me wrong; it's great. I'm buying a pay-per-view for the main event. I'm buying a pay-per-view worthy fight to see the main event. That's all I care about. I'm just saying, as a customer, as a paying customer, that's the trigger. Half these guys out here have no other clue of who other, uh, all these other secondary, tertiary fighters are. They're not significant enough for them to know, hey, guess what? I'm buying the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight. So for appealing to the masses, that's all you got to do is get the main event to be appealing to be a purchase fight. Um, Now, as specialists and boxing analysts as we are, yes, we want to see a credible undercard. But for the layman, they they don't even know half the undercard or what the names are. If they recognize a name on the undercard, it happens to be a good fight. Ah, it's a bonus. But they're buying the fight for the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight. No, there's no listen. There's no doubt in that. And uh, all the uh, you know, every time you talk to uh, a network or whatever, um, you know, the truth of the matter is is uh you know that's what they say the formula says that people are only buying it for the uh uh for the main event but i I can't help it you know and we do this a lot on the show but i can't help but go back and and remember some of the pay-per-view cards that were around in the 80s and early 90s i mean you know any one of the fights that you saw could have been uh the main event pay-per-view and i and i think that 
you know, if you're going to ask a fan, you know, to shell out, you know, 50 bucks or whatever, um, I, I think the fight should all be, you know, you know, uh, an A fighter versus an A fighter, a substantial fighter, a, a, a meaningful fight, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. These are all competitive fights, something we didn't see last week. But, um, I, you know, I, I just I agree with you, but I would like to see a little better. You know what I mean? No, I know what you mean, and you have a great point. Um, but I, and I also think this is an optimum time for these lesser-known fighters to be showcased on a stellar card like this, to be part of a, a big event, a big night. And this is their time to shine because they're going to be in front of a world audience. And you know what? If I like something I see out of one fighter, I'm going to become a fan. And that's what these guys could do. They're building a fan base. They're sh being showcased. They're going to let themselves be known to the world right now. So that's why they should put on a great fight. They should be competitive fights. And guess what? They'll be recognized uh, next time they're on to be even a, a more uh, more anticipated, highly anticipated fighter to see in the future if they do well. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, they're good fights. I just uh, wish they yeah. were a little better. Uh, some quotes, uh, Canelo Alvarez and uh, both, trip, uh, both Triple J and Canelo Alvarez are, are taking this fight very seriously. Uh, no time for BS smack talk. Uh, Canelo says, I know what I got in front of me. I know he's a strong fighter. He's the most dangerous opponent uh, of my career, but I'm ready for him and what's next. Uh, that's why we're prepared. And we also want to give the fans a beautiful fight. This fight's for you. This fight's for all the fans who have been asking for it. We know that in fights it takes two to tango. I'm ready, and you know what you'll get from me. Let's hope he brings it as well. Um, what a true statement. I mean, some of it is... Well, some of it is... Is the same, you know, uh, uh, same BS. You know, it's a fight you want, blah blah blah. You know, the uh, the sale, the sale. But I, I think that the line that says it all is it takes two to tango, and not just in the fight, but fights. And this is why I was always critical of you know who. The, when you want to cement a legacy, you need to have the right dance partner, and you need to create legacy type fights. Muhammad Ali was, you know, he's down in history as one of the greatest, but look at who he had to dance with. You know, Foreman and Frazier and Kenny Norton and uh, the list goes on and on. You know, same thing. You know, every great fighter had the right fighters to fight, and it justified fighting more than once. Well, Triple G and Canelo, they may have that, Sal. I think you're right. This is going to cement them. I mean, look at what you just, just suggested. You know, we're talking about heavyweights that fought 40 and 50 years ago. And we still, to this day, can recall some of those fights. And they were tremendous fights. They were competitive fights. And, I mean, those are the fighters, you know. It's, it's, like, it's like I said, I tried to say, Bobby Chess helped me finish that line. When we used to train in Costello's gym uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, you know, for for some of our amateurs and for our professional fights, you know, Bobby Chess and I would be jumping rope in front of this mirror or shadow boxing, and uh, there was a saying on a wall. It said, "Fights that come easy are soon are much like the morning dew, and soon will vanish from a man's memory. But those fights that are earned and built on blood, sweat, and tears are the true uh, memories that will lead to a fighter's career in succeeding and being a success. Such is the price." for success, something like that.
and uh, Bobby helped me finish it off a little better last week. But um, that's a true thing. We have the memorable fights that took place 50 years ago, and you and I can talk about them and recall them. Like we just saw them last week. That's how much of an impact and impression they made. But the truth of the matter is, this fight may have that same significance because it's going to be something I think, I believe, that we're going to talk about from for years. Triple G uh, said Canelo has looked good and he's looked strong in his last fights. Uh, that is why we have worked so hard in this training camp. We've worked on new things. This is my biggest fight. I worked hard to become the champion of the world. I worked hard with Abel, and I'm working hard with Abel to stay champion of the world. Um, you know, I've always wondered when fighters start working on new things for big, big fights. You know, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, the only thing that... Uh, you know, he needed to work on, in my opinion, and Dax made a, a great point about this uh, several weeks back, but he, it always seems that they do something in their training that ends up, uh, um, you know, Triple G coming down with a cold or getting sick or not being but 100%. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? So that's the only thing I would work on. But changing anything else, uh, working on new things, maybe just game plan related, but I hope that's what he means but you never can read too deep. I mean, uh, both of these guys have had somewhat of a closed camp. They have opened it up a little bit for the media, but for the most part, it's been uh, on the hush-hush, which I like, Sal. I hear it, and me too. Like, like I said, I cannot believe, for whatever instance, you know, we've heard all the times before Triple G has, has gone into a fight. It, it's almost like a, a replay, push that button, boom. Well, he's uh, he's looking a little pale. He's looking a little pasty. Uh, he's uh, he's fatigued. He's got the sniffles. He's got, the, yeah. I, I don't know how long we put up with that, but yeah, keep it behind closed doors and uh, let's let's see what happens. And like I said, let 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 these two combatants get into the ring and may the best man win. And I want to hear that they're uh, coming along in their training camps the way they're suggested and expected to. Um, I uh, I don't see why not. Uh, to be honest no. with you. Um, but uh, but I, I just can't wait to see this fight. It's a must-see fight uh, for more than just diehard boxing fans, and I certainly hope that uh, it does well with the pay-per-view. But at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I mean, all I care about is watching a great fight, and, I, and I'm pretty sure, I'm positive we're going to get one, uh, two pros uh, going at it. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break right now, um, and we're scheduled to get the infamous Jeremy C. on. Now, if you recall, Sal, Jeremy C. made some pretty bold predictions uh, on this show. So we're going to talk to him. And then after that, you remember Hall of Famer Freddie Mills? Yeah, yeah, sure do. You know, uh, former world champion. Um, this guy, there's a new book coming out to suggest that Freddie Mills was a serial killer. We're going to talk about that. Alex Papali sent me a, 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 a an update on this. And uh, amazing stuff. So uh, hold those thoughts. We will be back in two. So uh, don't uh, don't go anywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Don't <laughs> go anywhere. Know what you're talking about. We'll be back. You've got a refill of coffee. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. 
with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And, uh, you know, Jeremy C., who, uh, you know, is in uh, his ghetto studio right now and and is forgetting to turn on his video, um, made some bold statements uh, leading up to the farce of uh, what we call uh, Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. And, uh, I mean, he was guaranteeing some stuff. Um, well, it didn't work out. And at least he's man enough to come on the show and, and take, his, uh, take his lumps. I believe he predicted that uh, Conor McGregor was going to knock out Floyd Mayweather in the second round. Um, how you feeling about that now, Jeremy? First of all, the infamous Jeremy C. He says, now that I'm done with the boxing prediction game... <laughs> I'm moving over to uh, vodka, the uh, infamous vodka. It's coming out in uh, June, so yeah. Hey, you know what? I've, hey, Sal, I've seen uh, a lot of shows where you know it's like the Who Done It, you know the, uh, yeah. uh, the you know the guy. Uh, did he kill him? Did he not kill him? And and you see the interview of a guy, and he's kind of in a room, sort of the way Jeremy is right now. I, I don't know, uh, Jeremy. Are, are you behind bars or what? I mean, you you got that. I, I, I don't think I don't think your sweatshirt is zipped up on? enough. I don't think that. I'm in a, an undisclosed location. Yeah, I see that. You, you, why don't you zip your sweatshirt a little tighter? Is it as cold by you as it is here? Jesus. Listen, what happened? I had to go into hiding for a little while. The Billy C fans have been following me around, harassing me about my prediction. I just, you know, I don't know, Bill. I don't know if I could take this kind of pressure. Hey, I'll tell you, you did buy it. I was proud of you for uh, buying it, at least to watch it. Uh, what was your uh, <clears throat> professional uh, analysis of the fight? <laughs> You know what? I thought it was great. I thought it was fun. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, was it the greatest boxing match ever? No. Nobody thought it was going to be. But it was fun. It was fun to see McGregor come out and, you know, take a couple rounds from him. Was it pre-planned by Floyd? Probably. But whatever. You know, he gave him a couple good shots. I, was, uh, I wasn't surprised he tired when he did. I, everybody kind of knew that was going to happen. I think he did better than most of the boxing uh, pundits thought he was going to do. Um, is he ever going to box again? I don't know. I kind of hope he does, and I hope he fights a couple bums to get used to it and then take it from there. You know, uh, Sal, we, we missed Jeremy down at our uh, event. We did, Jeremy. But, uh, but I will tell you this. He would have been right at home, right? I mean, the majority of the people there were rooting for McGregor. I mean, there was no doubt oh, that McGregor seemed to be the draw for this fight. He was. He was the driver. He was the drawer. He was the... Uh... Well, like I said, he, it, uh, Mayweather has his fan base, and uh, he's he's uh, he's got the the ability to draw a lot of a lot of uh, fans to his fights, and that's great. But uh, we just got that number compounded by the MMA crowd crossing over and watching a boxing match, and and uh, everybody rooting for Conor McGregor. And uh, but I'll tell you what, the Conor McGregor I saw going to the boxing ring. The guy should never put on another set of boxing gloves in his life. Hey, you know, Jeremy, I can't help. I'm looking at the background, and all, and all I could think of is the Kool-Aid guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna, oh, he's jumping yeah. through. Yeah, coming, uh, crashing uh, through. Like, like oh, 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 all of a sudden, he comes crashing yeah, I'm through. Oh, I'm camping, yeah. Sal. Yeah. <laughs> I lost so much money on that fight. I had, to move, I had to sell my house. I'm camping. I'm in the woods right now. Yeah, it's not good. Boot? 
Is that your blue screen? This is a green screen, <laughs> yes. Uh, so coming soon uh, to, to Jeremy's camera feed, amazing backgrounds. It's just not there yet because my lighting is terrible. I, I like the I like the potential, though. I see what it's Yeah, going. no, it's, it's going to be good. One oh, day, I know it's you know, like be. six months. You know what? I wish Billy would in, kind of increase the budget for sets around here. Whoa, you whoa, know, whoa. It's like he I sent told me you. this. It's I, not I, even a real green screen. It's from his bed, I think. Hey, listen, I told you that we already increased it. You're up to $3 a year now. Now, how much more do you need? <laughs> come on. I, I mean, you know, come on, man. Yeah, so yeah, he's got me broadcast. Studio B, which is a tent in in Billy's backyard. It's great. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Hey, I'll tell you, though. I was telling Sal, yeah, you know, yeah, when, I, when I left St. Simons last week, it was uh, 90 degrees, hazy, hot, and humid. Oh. It's freezing up here, man. I mean, uh, yeah. literally, it was down. It Wear was a sweater. The, I I got a shirt. I got a I got a heavy uh, like a light jacket on, man. It's uh it's pretty bad. But I, I tell you, I was glad that uh, uh, you uh, even had some interest in the fight. Did you see the other fights, or were you just watching? I did. I maybe? watched the whole. I watched. I watched basically the whole thing. I did. I was disappointed with uh with Tank. He looked like crap, and I was kind of excited to watch him. I, I've seen some clips of him. You know, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and whatever I was watching on Showtime is over and some replay of Showbox is on. And I saw Tank beating the crap out of somebody. And I was like, damn, this kid's pretty hot. I like this. Not hot like, you know, you know. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> But I was disappointed. You know, I know they said he wasn't feeling well. He had a cold. But uh, I think he's he's kind of badass. I kind of like watching him. Not that night, but, but yeah, I did. I watched the whole thing. I watched way too much, Bill. I even woke <laughs> up at 3 in the morning to watch the press conference afterwards oh, when McGregor came well, out all hammered. You know why that is. Because you spent the money and you're like, damn it, I'm getting yeah. my money's worth. You know? Oh, yeah. $100? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to watch it six times. I know. Hey, you know, uh, coaches mentioned in a fight that uh, was announced, I guess, or in the works, uh, Katie Taylor, an up-and-coming uh, boxer. Uh, she's proven. I mean, uh, you know, had a great amateur career. And they're going to do another what they call crossover fight against MMA fighter uh, Holly Holm. And they're talking about this as another crossover. But here's, there's a big difference big between, difference. between uh, McGregor crossing over and fighting Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather was 49-0 and 0 going into that fight. Conor McGregor never boxed in his life. Holly Holm was a two-division world champion in boxing before she switched over to MMA. So it's totally yeah. different. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about a continuation of crossover. I, for one, don't think that we should do it. I, it's two different sports, and I think it should stay that way. Being a novice <clears throat> for both sports, uh, Jeremy, what do you think? They should continue <laughs> with the crossover? You know what? Wait, the only way it's fair to do a crossover is if every other match is in the octagon, right? I mean, you got to go to the other side, too. That'll never happen. No, that has happened. And and but and the fighters. Are you going to get a big name? Ray, Ray Mercer, big Ray Mercer came up big with a first round knockout. When he Did he really? Yeah. Well, shows yeah. what I know. That's why Billy pays me to produce stuff, not <laughs> you know talk about sports. You want me to talk about golf next? God, or, please, please don't, please don't. I mean, uh, that's uh, talking golf with Jeremy C. That's uh, that's it. But uh, anyway, I. Uh, uh, I'm glad that you uh, watched it, and I'm glad you're uh, willing to take the lumps because you were pretty yeah, bold. You, you guys really don't think that Connor showed any promise to where if if he got a real boxing trainer, and uh, you know somebody taught him how to do some defense, you don't think he could get in there no. and kick some ass? No, really, no. you saw no potential. Well, I don't know. You know what? Uh, it, it takes years to get his conditioning to be where it should be and sure. to get the rhythm of fighting. And when I say years, I mean he could do it six months and a year or whatever the heck. But uh, 
the bottom line is he, he's got a different uh, uh, his mindset. His, 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 it's a different different world, and yeah. uh, I, I don't know if he can sustain a level or achieve or attain that level to get into the ring. I mean, he fought a Mayweather who was not at his best Mayweather. I'm sure, telling of course. You, Mayweather would have gotten beat by many, many welterweights that night, including, uh, including well, Kel Brook. I don't know if he's ever going to fight well, Mel, well, welterweight again. But, I mean, you know, you look at Keith Thurman. You look at uh, all these other guys out there that, that have just uh, just uh, been on the front page lately. Uh, I don't think Mayweather would have gotten past at least five top welterweights or junior middleweights. And the bottom line is uh, this guy, yes, Mayweather gives away his first three rounds usually in any fight because he assesses his opponent. He's a very smart fighter. Yeah. And he wants to see and have his opponent's uh, weaknesses revealed and he's going to dissect and uh, and use his intellect and he's going to use the first three rounds to assess all that and then he's going to come on like he did. He won every round after the third round. Well, I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I, I think that I think that Conor McGregor did surpass expectations at least as far as I'm concerned, sure. he, he showed no defense. His hands right. were down the whole time. He showed no punching power at all. No I mean, we pop, all thought no we leverage, thought that nothing. this guy was gonna, you know, have a chance because of his punching power, which he, he doesn't even know how to deliver a punch in boxing. So he wasn't even getting the full power that maybe he has. Uh, right. He had no footwork, nothing, no conditioning, like Sal said, because you know he, he trains for a different thing. However, all those negatives, he did have one positive. And that was his jab seemed to hit Floyd Mayweather at will. And if his corner and himself knew anything about the sport of boxing, they would have realized and they would have made the adjustment after that second round. Because, listen, going into the seventh round, after six rounds were completed on my scorecard, and then I stopped scoring it, were even. It was three rounds apiece. The first three rounds... I thought that Conor McGregor won, and he won it with the jab. If I right. was Team McGregor, I would have said, forget our game plan, whatever it may have been. I would have implemented a new game plan on the fly and would have tried to last 12 rounds with that snapping jab and moving a little bit. Floyd couldn't try to win by decision. Well, he would he would have because yeah. Floyd didn't have an answer. Floyd was getting hit. wasn't just being grazed. Floyd was being hit square in the center of his face with those jabs. He couldn't get out of the way with of it. Now I'm not suggesting that Conor McGregor had such a a fast snappy jab that Floyd couldn't uh, do anything with it, but. The awkwardness of Conor McGregor's delivery of his jab and the fact that he was a southpaw, I think clearly was giving yeah. Floyd trouble. It wasn't until Floyd, I mean, uh, Conor McGregor tried to, you know, muscle Floyd when Floyd was able to stand in the pocket and score. If if Conor McGregor would have just tried to sneak and sque uh, steal a win with that jab, I think he had a better chance. But as the fight wore on and he tried to land substantial punches to hurt Floyd, Floyd was able to counter him and uh, and eventually put him away. So I, I do think that he had a, a chance uh, at that. Uh, you know, so after here's watching a question, the Bill. Do you think the biggest mistake that McGregor made was not hiring a professional boxing coach to lead his team and to use his UFC guys? Yeah, I think he definitely should have uh, uh, brought in or at least some not brought somebody on. I mean, maybe not you know to head the whole thing up, but at least brought him on, right? Exactly. No, I, I agree. I mean, he should have he should have definitely brought in somebody. Uh, you know, he he claimed the loyalty to his team and all of that. But sure. uh, I think that uh, he clearly 
uh, should have uh, brought in someone else. Any more questions from I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he didn't. In fact, uh, you know, I uh, there's no excuse for that. You have to. You're in a boxing arena. You have yeah. to bring in. You know what? It's like no his box. guys are great. His guys are great for what they do. But you know what? If he was going to play quarterback in the NFL, he would have brought in a you know a coach from the NFL. You don't you know whatever. Do you do you think he's going to fight Paulie? Paulie's oh, trying to get a payday. Paulie's looking for red panty oh, night. <laughs> Foley is, you know, I just wish these guys, when they went away, you know, we do the oh. blast from the past here once a week. Don't with, ever with do Alex him, Papali. please. No, 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 no. Don't no. ever my, let him get a blast. No. He I, needs a blast right in the face. My, no, Somebody sew his mouth shut. My, Every my, time he opens his mouth, I want to jump off a bridge. Go ahead, Bill. Point, Sorry for interrupting point, you on your show. I'm Billy C. You're my, not. My point is, is that when we do these blasts, a lot of things that we, <laughs> that we see is generally, uh, you know, these fighters – that called it quits and never came back. That's clearly not the case today. I mean, he's got Paulie Malinaji is is a really good example. You know, he said this was my last fight 150,000 times. You know, I he's such a he's such a, a nanny, a friend dresser. I, I can't stand his voice. He's a knowledgeable guy. Uh, me too. Oh man! Every but, time he talked. Oh no! That 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 broadcast team, with the exception of Al Burns, and Paulie knows his stuff, so it's not like he's not Paulie saying something yeah, I mean, that that isn't perfect. right. But yeah. I just can't stand the delivery and that Morio yeah. Ronaldo. Oh my God! I want to I want to douse myself with gasoline in one of your <laughs> one of your nine packs of cigarettes you smoke a day, Wait, Jeremy. You know, well, I mean, it's Paulie, it's bad. You nailed it, man. Paulie sounds like Fran Drescher on coke. Yeah. No. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, what about Shut his up, eyes? Wally. His eyes are all bulging out like he did some coke. But uh, hey, Bill, remember when I got it so that uh, Golden Boy wouldn't let you talk to any of their their people because uh, I talked so much smack about uh, what's his name over there and his yeah, tights? Yeah, Maybe we'll you, do the same thing with Paulie. Yeah, when you had the, when Let's you had to, some people off. Well, you had to remember with the uh, with the with the pictures. You analyzed yeah. the pictures. These are real. These are real. You know, and then then when we, I finally got it clean, you said, "Oh no, it's all fixed. Uh, it wasn't." Uh, yeah, and then I said he was doing drugs or something. No, no, they they were saying he was high, and you said, "Nope." They finally found out he was not high on on cocaine. He wasn't. It was heroin. He was on heroin. I was like, "Oh God, Jeremy, stop!" But screw uh, him too. Anyway, well, listen, Jeremy, I appreciate you taking you the time. Uh, you got it, man. Anytime. We're gonna uh, actually talk uh, uh, some more boxing here, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, hey, good luck with the the camp out, man. It's uh, yeah, no, it looks yeah. Good. Well, look, dedication. Billy said he wants me on today. I'm out camping. I brought my, t you know, my my microphone, my computer, everything, so that I can do this. That's yeah. all, Bill. Yeah, just yeah. Well, I, I think the hot dogs are burning. There's some smoke <laughs> behind you. Either that or that's. <laughs> look, I got some camp snacks. Yeah, yeah. You know? We're here. We're good. <laughs> Jeremy, I'll Dude. talk to you later, my man. Have a good one, guys. All right, take, take care, Jeremy. Jeremy C., the infamous Jeremy C. joining us, Sal. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. Hey, uh, so good before stuff. we went to break, I, you know, I was asking you uh, about uh, Freddie, Freddie Mills. Um, former son writer, uh, his name is uh, Michael Litchfield, uh, was a uh, son crime reporter back in the uh, uh, 60s. And uh, he had just put a new book out. And in the book, he's claiming that um, Freddie Mills was a serial killer. Uh, he says it took uh, over 50 years for him to tell this story uh, because of legal uh, issues. Uh, but uh, just uh, uh, to get you caught up, apparently uh, in, uh, in the early 60s, um, there was a, uh, a string of murders that went on uh, that uh, they called, and they never caught the guy, and they called it Jack the Stripper. 
uh, for his habit of uh, stripping his victims and dumping their bodies. Um, the first uh, uh, woman uh, that uh, was uh, uh, found uh, was a woman named Hannah uh, Tailford. Now, now, all of the women that were murdered were prostitutes. And uh, th this was a 30-year-old woman. She was found uh, in an alley in 1964. Uh, she was a prostitute. She had been strangled. Several of her teeth had uh, been knocked out, and her underwear was shoved down her throat. Then uh, in April of that year, this was February of 64, in April of that year, uh, Irene Lockwood was 25, found uh, 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 in the streets again, and uh, uh, they finally said, hey, this is a serial killer at uh, work. Uh, several weeks later, Helen Bartholomew, 22, uh, was also found strangled in an alley near a river. Uh, then they found uh, Mary Fleming, 30 years old. Uh, you know, her body was uh, arranged in a way. Um, you know, so I, it all led to, um, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, another victim, 21-year-old Francine Brown uh, in 1964. Um, you know, uh, you know, they find all these women. Uh, the last one was uh, Bridget O'Hara, 27 year old, um, found in West London in 1965. Um, you know, as they started to, uh, in, in, you know, research this and investigate it, uh, it according to uh, Michael Litchfield, they kind of pointed to Freddie Mills. And there was uh, a, a, a chief police superintendent, uh, his last name was DuRose. Uh, he was a Freemason, as was Freddie Mills. And according to Mitch Litchfield, they, uh, uh, Mills confessed uh, to DuRose, saying that he was indeed a Jack the Stripper murderer and uh, made wow. a deal with DuRose to uh, uh, give himself up, but he wanted to get all his affairs in order first. And then this was where it takes a little twist. Uh, according to uh, Litchfield, uh, he hired uh, some people to murder him, uh, Freddie Mills, and uh, ultimately they found Freddie Mills uh, murdered, uh, uh, where they called it a uh, suicide, uh, in his car, shot uh, in 1965 at 46 years old. Um, what's your thoughts on this uh, uh, whole story? I mean, you know, Freddie Mills was uh, basically a, a, a hero uh, in uh, England, uh, former world champion, and um, never was uh, convicted, never even arrested for this crime. Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, if Litchfield is correct, uh, hired some buddies of his to, uh, to whack him, uh, and they made it look like a suicide. Um, what's your thoughts about this? Obviously, he's selling his book. Uh, it's coming yeah. out, the whole story. But what's your thoughts on this with uh, tying a guy that was so uh, successful, uh, not only in the ring, but as a hero uh in uh, in england uh, all of a sudden being uh, depicted as a uh, as a serial killer not just a murderer a serial killer what's your thoughts well talk about the dark side i mean wow that's a that's a rude awakening for a lot of people and uh, uh except the victims unfortunately but uh, i'll tell you what uh, i i i don't know that's that's uh, devastating i mean that's that's crazy i uh I don't know. We don't know what uh, one has in their heart or mind, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a shame if, if that story is true. But uh, you know, at least uh, on a positive note, they uh, would have realized or found uh, who was behind the, uh, the serial kills. And uh, I, I I don't know. That's just a wow. 
That's a bizarre story, a bizarre scenario. It is. It is. Um, uh, I got a I couple of the only serial killer I, I ever really knew was uh, my ex-wife. Every time she went into the, the cupboard, uh, I saw a box of cereal was ripped in shreds. I, I was going to get to the cereal. I was going to say the only so serial cool. killer I know was Tony the Tiger. But uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, wow. I got a couple of emails. This one, first one is from uh, my man Johnston. You could uh, catch uh, Johnston. He uh, writes, uh, uh, he's got a column up on BillySweetBoxing.com. And he just wanted to fill us in. On, uh, on some fights that were uh, going to be taking place on Sky Sports tonight. Uh, he says, uh, first and foremost, hey, Billy C. and Sal, uh, sounds like you guys had a great weekend. Uh, I hope to be down next time uh, with the family. Now, he's uh, from England, and he's planning on uh, making a trip here to the States next year. So uh, hopefully we will uh, be Boy, doing be something uh, around that same time. He says, uh, we have a, uh, uh, some great boxing on Sky Sports tonight at uh, Historic York Hall. That's a place I would love to, to go to. Uh, they have such great fights there. He says, uh, uh, I will be enjoying these fights. I'm hoping to be ringside. He says, uh, this is uh, uh, being promoted by Matchroom and just some fights that are on here. Uh, it's, uh, Matchroom likes to showcase their young talent. Uh, Joe Cordina is a super featherweight. He's on the card, 3-0 and with three knockouts. Lawrence O'Coley, cruiserweight, 4-0, four knockouts. Connor Ben, junior welterweight, 7-0, five knockouts. Ted Cheeseman, he's a welterweight, 9-0, seven knockouts. And uh, uh, Joshua Butassi, a light heavyweight, at 1-0 with a knockout. Um, so uh, there's some other fighters, that young fighters that uh, Matchroom has that won't be on the card. Uh, 8-0, Isaac uh, Chamberlain, who's a cruiserweight. Josh Kelly, a welterweight, 3-0. And, and uh, Reese uh, Bellotti, who's a featherweight, 10-0. He says, Bellotti's my pick to be a future star. I'm also looking for uh, an uh, Oakley-Chamberlain rivalry. Uh, one of these twos will lose to O very soon. They already want to fight each other. I believe the one that loses will become a better fighter. Look no uh, further than DeGal Groves. Uh, he says, Matchroom really does have some excellent fighters with a lot of potential. I'm just curious to know what you guys think of these prospects. Which one has the potential to become uh, one of the biggest names in the sport? Um, first and foremost, to be honest with you, uh, Johnston, I'm not familiar with any of the fighters, and uh, I'm sure uh, you aren't either, Sal, but, uh, no, and maybe you are, but um, I haven't had a chance to no. see any of them. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to see any of them. They all look promising. One thing I, I always I admire specifically about the uh, – of fighters over in England, and um, uh, Johnston, uh, you know, alludes to that right now with two undefeated cruiserweights in Lawrence Oki, uh, Oakley, who's four and zero with four knockouts, and eight and zero with three knockouts. Uh, Isaac Chamberlain, both cruiserweights. He says uh, they want each other already. This is the part of boxing that I love that takes place outside the United States. You don't see that here in the States, Sal. You don't see two young fighters that are on the way up, that are with a good promoter, that are getting fights and are staying busy. You never see them want to fight each other and really fight each other. You might hear them say, I want to, but they never do. It's something that the Brits do on a, on a regular basis, and it's what I respect the most. What's your thoughts on two young fighters that seemingly are heading upward wanting to fight each other at a, at a young age uh, and a young point in their careers? Well, I'll tell you what. It's a, it's a test for themselves to look in the mirror and say, hey, you know, they both want bragging rights. And uh, I think it's a it's a big step. And, you know, other than uh, wanting to protect their O and, and wanting to continue on a path that they don't have to uh, have one guaranteed uh, getting a getting a victory and one guaranteed having a loss. 
I, I think it says a lot about their confidence and about their testing themselves and challenging themselves. I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. And, you know, let, let's, let's face it. I mean, a fighter who's a prospect, yeah, he, he could be uh, not like a milk-fed veal, it's a bad analogy, but, I mean, he's got to be brought along carefully. And you want to give him opposition, you know, maybe his first or second fight that he, he has a little confidence, you see what he has in him, and you constantly test him, you challenge him. But for two undefeated fighters at this young stage saying, hey, we want to face each other, we want to fight each other, we want bragging rights, I think that's great. I think it's significant. And I think, uh, uh, again, if these guys continue, no matter who wins, uh, they continue on a progressively uh, steady diet and, and pace of challenging themselves, I don't think at this early stage in their career a, a loss will be significantly the end of their career. It won't be. It, it'll, it'll be just as uh, good to learn from. And uh, I think it's a great idea, a great challenge, and I, I look forward to seeing this. See the the thing that the thing that I like the most, and first of all, I hope uh, I will. Thanks for the email, Johnson. I will uh, look into these guys, and and I hope that the cruiserweights, uh, uh, Oakley and and uh, Chamberlain, uh, both uh, become uh, stars because I think we need uh, the cruiserweight division to to blossom, yeah. especially here in the states. But the one thing that I I, I really admire, um, and, and it's something that. You know, we here in the States have become so uh, politically correct that we don't, you know, we don't really, we don't really nurture uh, the the rivalries the way they do in England. And I think that the sport needs those rivalries. And in this case, where you have two uh, young undefeated cruiserweights uh, creating a rivalry, I think it's good. And I agree with you 100% in no way, shape or form. Does that ruin their careers? Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break uh, if they get the loss, I meant. We're going to take a short break, no, and yeah. uh, when we come back, uh, we got some more news to talk about. I got another email. Uh, all of that coming up in two. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy's Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before we went to break, uh, we read an email and uh, I got another one that I uh, wanted to read. Uh, but first, uh, I wanted to uh, give you guys an update. Um, college football season started and we're going to keep you up to date on uh, football scores, uh, college football, and of course uh, NFL football, which starts in another week. And uh, when the Major League Baseball gets into uh, the playoffs, we'll... Uh, uh, talk about those um, as well, uh, but uh, over in uh, at least the top 25 uh, in college football is what I'll keep you up to date on. There's so many college football games, but uh, top 25. Uh, number two uh, ranked Ohio State uh, beat up on Indiana last night, 49 to 21, and number 10 ranked Oklahoma State uh, slapped around Tulsa, 59 to 24. So a couple of uh, top 25 fights. I mean uh, football games that uh, took place. 
in the uh, college ranks last night. Uh, one uh, last email. This is from my man Mitch. Uh, what are you doing, Sal? I got to mute you, man. You're making a lot of noise here. But uh, um, we got uh, another uh, email. This is from Mitch. Uh, he says, uh, did you guys catch the Servey Dovinchenko versus Torino Johnson fight? Johnson took a lacy versus Calzaghi type beating. And I wonder what he'll have uh, for his next fight. He's got a couple other uh, uh, comments here, but first I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give you my thoughts on that. Um, I did see it. Uh, obviously, I didn't see it live, but I watched the replay. And uh, Dervinchenko is, is a young gun. And Torino Johnson, you know, this is the guy that, you know, when he fought Curtis Stevens, I mean, uh, I had all kinds of high hopes for him. Um, but he certainly has seemed to go down uh, hill. Uh, since then and and you know Sal when you do take a beating like that whether you uh, come back uh, uh, in your next fight and and you know feel well or or you know train and and feel no ramifications from it I don't know if you don't lose something when you're in a a war like that in the ring and when you do come back you're you're never the same Uh, Johnson has been in two fights just like that um, what kind of toll does that take on on your body? Well, it does. I mean, <clears throat> you've got to be very careful. You know, you stress the body, you rest the body, and and you have to make sure that uh, you know before you restress it that it has recovered sufficiently. And you know, that's uh, that's the formula. There's no ways to get around it. Uh, you keep uh, the body going through wear and tear you know, eventually it's going to get to a level where it, it just doesn't come back anymore. So, you know, it's a, you have to be able to recover in between. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's something that uh, you should not discard or take lightly. No, it, uh, it uh, definitely uh, uh, takes your toll, you know, takes, uh, takes a toll on your body, you know, so. Uh, but, and emotionally, too. I mean, you know, you... You know these things are ailing you. You know these things aren't keeping you. And, and you know you try to block out the pain and everything else. But you know, like I said, it's just a, it's just one of those things. You should recover. Uh, his next point on the email is uh, uh, Urslandi Lara says he's going to put on a show in October, October fourteenth on Showtime. He says, "Yeah, right." Um, now the reason why he says "Yeah, right" uh, is because uh, Urslandi Lara always says that uh, and is such a. Uh, uh, defensive, uh, safety-first type of a fighter. Um, you know, it's a good point because, you know, some of the people that follow the sport today uh, are trying to suggest that boxing has evolved into safety-first and that's the way boxing is now, et cetera, et cetera. And although that might be uh, a smart move for a fighter, um, what it loses is the excitement level. And, um, you know, I, listen, if you're the guy in the ring and you can uh, fight a fight and come out unscathed and and make your money and do all those things, that's great. But, you know, if the fans aren't going to want to watch you again, and, you know, this is kind of what's happened to Lara. Uh, same thing with Guillermo Rigondeau. Uh, these guys are, are extremely good defensively, uh, you know, uh, tacticians. And the end result is, the ratings become low, so therefore the networks don't want them. Uh, you know, they have a hard time finding fights because when they're trying to, uh, you know, negotiate a fight, 
and you bring up one of the names uh, to a network, they're like, oh, geez, you know, last that, that last fight wasn't exciting. I mean, where do you draw the line? You know, uh, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, safety first for a fighter is great for the fighter. And you can never you can never blame a fighter for for wanting to do that to, you know, think ahead, think of the future. But, you know, on the other hand, boxing is entertainment, unfortunately, at the two fighters expense. Maybe fighters that are thinking safety first should consider going into another sport because, you know, what we're going to end up with is a a sport that is going to continue to lose fans. I think one of the reasons that MMA has uh, picked up so many fans, even though there are times where they're leg locked on the canvas and no, no action per se is happening, um, because they're shorter fights and because at times they're brutal, the fan base likes that. We haven't seen uh, the sport long enough to have the stats and, and results of testing and stuff, but I'm sure, I'd bet my last dollar, that it's going to come out that, that MMA is just as dangerous uh, for uh, uh, the fighters uh, as is boxing. And, you know, when where do you draw the line? I mean, uh, do we uh, lower the pool of fighters? Do we make sure that they understand the risks? I mean... Um, when does a fighter have to perform uh, for the fan or do they perform for themselves? I mean, what's your view on this whole thing? You were a, a, a go-at-you kind of a fighter and, and you're always saying price versus the prize, et cetera, et cetera. But where is the line drawn, Sal? Well, you said something very uh, very delicate um, on so many levels uh, because, you know, Boxing, you know, as I was first introduced to boxing, and, you know, part of it was, who's the toughest man out there? Who could take a shot and give it back? And, you know, early on in my career, it was like, you know, in the Golden Glove days and amateur days, it was like, oh, let me block that punch with my chin, you know? <laughs> you, you can't hurt me. And, uh, you know, you get a little bit of the, of the reverberation of your brain in your head. But, uh, uh, you know, that's part of it. Hey, I'm tough. I could take it. I'm going to dish it back. Uh, as you mature and you realize, you know, uh, you don't want to go through as many headaches, you're going to move your head, you're going you're to slip a punch, you're going to block a punch, you're going to do this. So, you know, those are natural things. And when you incorporate, you know, your ability to counter, to block a punch, to slip a punch, to roll, to counter, and do things, you become a complete fighter. But when you look to avoid punches at all risk and just try to hit or not be hidden, that that's still, it's still a an art of boxing it's still you know floyd mayweather introduction to the world as far as hey safety first but you know i can't down a fighter for that i can't because you know like i said uh it does take away some of the excitement that we are used to seeing from the old days of uh uh marvin Hagler and tommy hearns you know those days are going to be dissipating if every fighter goes in the ring safety first but i mean it's just how this sport has evolved and uh and and i think i think we're going to still see a combination of both going forward we're going to see those pit bulls out there and that's why styles make fights we're going to see the fancy dan boxers as they're called that will slip punches will just hit and, and be able to uh score and we're going to see the sluggers and the punches so even though there is a change really nothing in the end is going to change and i think you know if they could find a way to take a picture an mri of a fighter's brain to see where it is and on every year of his anniversary have a physical have that same thing done and see how the picture is 
formulating or how it compares to the original. I think it's a consultation time when a doctor says, hey, this is what's happening to your brain. This is what's happening. And, you know, uh, if it continues on this pathway segment, you're going to have atrophy of the brain. There's going to be more uh, caverns and shadows that are going to show that you're losing your brain cells and uh, at a rapid rate. And if you like this, the prize is going to be worth the price. You want to be uh, in a wheelchair and having somebody put on diapers and everything else by the time you're 45, 50, continue on this path. If you want to live a longer life, then here. You should maybe think about retiring in two years, three years. It's, it's hard to say. That's why everybody's got to be accountable and responsible for themselves. Um, and finally, uh, my man Mitch uh, has uh, a comment uh, about uh, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, you know, a guy, you know, really, guys, I, I, I don't want to talk about this guy anymore. I, I mean, he's, he's done. Let's, let's just forget him. It's time to forget Floyd Mayweather. But uh, uh, since it's an email... Uh, Mitch says, uh, I want to sum up Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> this is great. This is great. He <laughs> says, I want to sum up Floyd Mayweather's career in one sentence, Billy C. He's, and this is his sentence from Floyd. He says, I've beaten everyone I put in front of me. <laughs> I've beaten everyone. <laughs> I like I've beaten everyone wow. I put in front of me. And you know what, Mitch? You're right. That is a great summary of Floyd, Floyd Mayweather. That's great. But uh, anyway, <laughs> let's get uh, let's talk about some other news. Uh, you know, yesterday we were talking about the sanctioning bodies and um, how they they really ruin uh, the sport in a sense because of the mandatories and everything else. Really, they don't care about the sport; they only care about their sanctioning body and, of course, their fees. Uh, a great example of this was the IBF. Uh, you know, uh, two days, three days after Terrence Crawford unified all four belts, first time in, uh, you know, more than a decade, uh, uh, you know, he unifies 140-pound division. Uh, they order him uh, to fight uh, Sergi Lipidets. Now, Terrence Crawford, obviously a big name in the sport, looking for bigger fights, um, you know, being warned that he had to fight uh, this guy instead of, you know, the sanctioning bodies all working together if Terrence Crawford decided to stay in 140 pounds. A lot of rumors are suggesting that he's going to move up to 147. Um, he, uh, rather than be stripped, vacated the, the IBF's version of the 140 pound title. Um, you know, it's not just the IBF because the WBA, uh, they did what they call elevated Terrence Crawford. Now, here is what the WBA and the WBC have a tendency to do when one of their fighters becomes a unified champion. They so-called elevate them to super champion, or in the WBC's case, diamond uh, champion. And um, really what that is is complete bullshit because what happens is they become a super champion, but then they also could possibly become a mandatory challenger for the guy that becomes the regular champion. So the WBA made that move yesterday to uh, uh, elevate uh, Terrence Crawford to their super champion. And now they're going to have uh, uh, two, fight, uh, two fighters uh, fight each other for the newly vacated regular WBA uh, you know, uh, uh, junior welterweight title. This is the same sanctioning body that said that they want to eliminate all the BS. You know, I, who, who would want to get a championship belt and, and say hey, listen, I am the regular old champion of this sanctioning body, and you're the super champion of this sanctioning body. 
I mean, it's ridiculous, Sal. I mean, I, you know, we wonder about the value of these belts, and um, I, I think they devalue it. I, I think these sanctioning bodies should play nice because there would certainly be more value in a fighter and the, the desire to see these fighters fight if they were unified champions. Your thoughts, please. You know my thoughts. I mean, there was an old comedy movie in the 70s or 80s with Peter Falk and, uh, uh, called The In-Laws. And when, you know, he was a Alan Arkin, was a, a CIA Alan, Alan Arkin was and the co-star. Remember? Alan Arkin. Right. Great, great movie. I can laugh at it just thinking back. And, you know, there was a, there was a Banana Republic type of figure like a Fidel Castro that had the mint, mint bricks of, uh, of our money and, uh, and was trying to devalue our dollar, uh, by saturating the market with, with, uh, uh, millions of dollars that uh, that would lower the, the the supply and demand of of our paper money and uh it was, conceptually it was it was a funny intriguing movie and uh but guess what you want to analogize it that's what's happened to the belt i mean there should be one world champion instead of five or six for each weight class so they saturated like they would the dollars and they, they're giving us all these belts I don't know which which way is up anymore. Interim champion here, intercontinental. This one here, this one national. You know, like I said, Billy, I, it's unfortunate, but I think every country should have their own national belt, like we had with the USBA or the I, uh, NABF, uh, and then have one world championship belt. Now I don't know; it'll it'll never happen. But can you imagine the pool of fights and and the scrambling to be the top and to be ranked? If you were to consolidate all these fighters that are already ranked and all these champions, if there was just one in the world of a champion and uh, all the contenders that would be looking to climb to the top, I mean, you want to get boxing back on track. You got to look at what the fault is and where it's gone a little south. And I think the saturation of the belts, I think the saturation of all these these international or worldwide uh, uh, sanctioning bodies have definitely diluted the value of the world championship belt. Well, there's no doubt. But unfortunately, the sanctioning bodies who have their claws into their cash cows, which are the fighters, are never going to yeah. all of a sudden do what's right. No. Um, no. The WBSS, the World Boxing Super Series, uh, is ready to kick off. It's, it's uh, a week away. And, um, I, you know, the one sad thing about this is that there has not been any television deals announced to see these fights in the United States or the UK. Uh, there are some uh, other places. The Super Channel uh, out of Canada is, is going to be airing them. You know, this is a great series uh, for two weight classes that I believe need a shot in the arm, uh, cruiserweight and the super middleweight, respectively. I mean, the super middleweight is kind of a, a, a limbo type of a uh, weight class, I guess. You know, we don't have any huge, huge names in there yet, but maybe a, a series like this will, will help it. And the cruiserweight division, for all intent and purposes, is the heavyweight division of yesteryear. I mean, 200-pound uh, weight limit uh, for the cruiserweights, actually 199.9, because 200 is officially a heavyweight. But uh, um, I, I, I hope it works. I hope we get some uh, U.S. television last minute. Uh, this is a Richard Schaefer deal uh, with his new uh, promotional company. So uh, I'm looking forward to this, and we'll keep you guys posted on that. Speaking of keeping you posted, some uh, other news. Antonio Margarito uh, with the Fists of Concrete. Well, 
<clears throat> maybe. Um, he's uh, got a record of 40 wins, eight losses, That's and uh, 27 of his wins taken, uh, coming by knockout. He's 39 years old. He's fighting this weekend against Carson Jones, who's a uh, pretty tough journeyman. Um, Antonio Margarito, not looking past, but it seems like it, uh, Carson Jones uh, wants a fight. Miguel Cotto for a third time he said and I quote I'm at my best level in years and I'm in condition to fight 10 strong rounds this fight is important for my plan to become a world champion again I want to fight Miguel Cotto in a third and final fight and Carson Jones won't stop me um you know Cotto's looking for another fight he said he was going to retire many years ago uh and continues to fight uh there are rumors of uh or an interest in him uh fighting some other names but uh, Antonio Margarito, uh, you know, does Cotto want to fight this guy again? Uh, I don't know. But uh, I think Margarito is just looking for any big name uh, to get a payday. Some other news I wanted to throw out there. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn rematch. Um, uh, there's some bumps in the road here with this rematch. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, Jeff Horn and uh, his team want this fight to take place this year uh, at the end of the year sometime in November. And uh, Manny Pacquiao on the other hand, has not made a decision yet whether he wants to have this rematch this year or early next year. Now, Bob Arum has come on and said some of the reasons for that uh, questioning is his political uh, uh, requirements and, and uh, uh, you know, what, what the schedule is from a political standpoint. Um, truthfully, the deal is this. You know, Manny Pacquiao lost to Jeff Horn. Uh, Sal, you've uh, gone on record to say several times that you feel Horn would beat him again and beat him even more decisively. Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think it was a case of uh, Manny Pacquiao not preparing like he should have. Um, however, I, you know, when is when is when 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 is when enough? You know, uh, when do you say when? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. When when do you say when Manny Pacquiao? I'm sure doesn't want to end his career on a loss. Um, and I do believe he could beat Horn. But time is his biggest enemy, Sal. I mean, this is a guy at 38 years old. Uh, who's been in some severe wars, who's been knocked out, uh, you know, has proven everything. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, when does this guy uh, say it's over? And if he wants to hang in there, I know he's trying to get another fight with Floyd, but we don't want to see it. We don't ever want to see, I don't personally ever want to see Floyd Mayweather uh, inside a ring again. I hope he just focuses on his promotional company. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao, on the other hand, uh, same thing. I mean, he's clearly diminished his skill set. Um, you know, fight Jeff Horn, possibly get a win and walk away. I would tr think that he would want to do it sooner than later. What's your thoughts? You know my thoughts. Manny Pacquiao made, his, made a big, big mistake. I mean, his whole purpose for getting the surgery, for coming back, his whole sole purpose at that point was to fight and have a rematch with Floyd Mayweather. It never took place. And now it doesn't even make sense for it to take place. So, you know what? He danced with the wrong opponents, and he did the thing. And and uh, I, I don't know. It's a, I, I think Manny, I, I like Manny. I respect Manny. And I think he could still have a lot of victories out there. But as you said, why? Uh, as I said, why? I mean, the guy has been to the mountain and, and back several times. He is a, a first-round Hall of Famer. And I, I think, you know, what do you have to prove to yourself? And I know. Uh, from a fighter standpoint, I still love the fight. I still love the fight game. Still love. I, I would love to be fighting today, but but then why? You know, again, is the prize worth the price? 
And what does he want to do with his life in the future? You can't just keep fighting and, and, and doing things. You got to look past it. And uh, if he has the fire in the belly, you know, take the fight with Jeff Horn. He's never going to get in the ring with, with uh, Floyd Mayweather again. He should have done that. That was the game plan. And for whatever reason, he deviated from that game plan. But that should have been his whole sole purpose of coming back. Maybe have one tune-up fight, press the issue, throw whatever he had to do out there, and get Floyd in the ring with him. That was the whole game plan from the get-go. It deviated, never took place, and is never going to take place now because no one's going to want it. Well, he had he 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 had won the title, um, and yeah. so so he had to fight Jeff Horn. But um, hey, fire in the belly. I have a suggestion. Take some tums. But uh, but the truth of the matter is, is Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather took. I, I, listen, there's no. If anybody doubts this, they're they're mistaken. The only reason why Floyd Mayweather even fought Conor McGregor is because he knew that it was going to be an easy fight for him, and because Bob Bennett, the gutless, spineless piece of garbage from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, approved it as a real fight. Floyd gets to ride off into the sunset at 50-0. and 0. Um, There is no way, even Floyd, and Floyd admitted himself that his skill set has diminished, and, he, and it certainly was evident uh, last week, but there's no way Floyd is going to take any fight that poses even the minuscule uh, risk for him of losing. And even though Manny Pacquiao is just as weathered as Floyd even more, Floyd's not going to take a chance with him. So the fight is not going to happen. Manny Pacquiao, if he's hoping that he's going to get another fight with Floyd, forget about it. Manny Pacquiao should either hang him up or avenge his loss against Jeff Horn because, quite honestly, that's the only fight. I mean, you can't see either one of these guys, uh, Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather, fighting a young gun. Errol Spence, uh, you no. know, uh, uh, Sean Porter, Kel Brook, uh, Keith Thurman. Keith None Thurman. of these guys. They'll kill him, no. you know. So, I mean, that's it is what it is. So uh, I think Manny Pacquiao, uh, just for history, history's sake, uh, for his uh, record, I do think that he should uh, do the rematch with Horn and uh, win, lose, or draw. That'll be his last fight. And uh, he has a chance to go out on top as a champ and retire as a champ. That's something that uh, very few fighters really have done in their careers. So we'll see what happens with that. Andre Ward. Um, you know, this guy This guy is such a diva. I mean, listen, there's no doubt that Andre Ward is a talented fighter. There's no question about it. But he is no Floyd Mayweather. And I say that meaning he's Floyd Mayweather, although I wasn't a big fan of his, the guy could draw. I mean, you know, you could say what you want about Floyd, whether you liked him or not, whether you think he's great, whether you think he's not. You know, but one thing that everyone has to agree on, there's two things, in my opinion, that you have to agree on with Floyd Mayweather. Number one, he was always in shape. This was a guy that took his career seriously and was always in shape. You were never going to get a guy that was not 100% in Floyd Mayweather. I respect him for that. You're never going to get a guy that's not going to make weight, except for the Juan Manuel Marquez fight, in which he just refused to get on the scale. But, I mean, you know, I respect him for that. All right? And then the other thing is, he's a draw. People went uh, and bought his fights, whether they wanted to see him get knocked the F out or whether they wanted to see him win. It didn't matter to him or the people around him. He sold fights. Andre Ward can't say that. 
Did he look good in his last fight against uh, Sergey Kovalev? Yes. Did he knock him out and win exciting fight? Yes, he did. Did he beat up the bully? Yeah, he did. Was he one of the best fighters when he was in the Super 6? Yeah, he was. But you know what? Taking his talent level aside, Andre Ward can't draw flies to a garbage convention. He is just not, a, even though he's a great guy, personally, when you meet him, he's not a likable guy. He's not a guy that fans want to, to either like or hate. Floyd was. Manny is. You know, I mean, these are the guys that, that are drawing. They have drawing power. Andre Ward doesn't. His HBO contract expired. Um, we all are waiting for the day he kicks Rock Nation to the curb. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's done this before. He is not loyal by any stretch of the imagination. Now he's looking at other options. There's some rumors around that he's going to join top rank. He says no, but it kind of looked like he was, especially when they kicked uh, Timothy Bradley to the curb and let him do the uh, announcing, especially since ESPN just tied, uh, you know, closed a big deal with top rank. So, I, you know what? I say this. Andre Ward, uh, he needs another big fight. You know, who's he going to fight? I don't know. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is uh, this is a guy that uh, uh, needs a big fight to draw. Sergey Kovalev, you know, he shut Kovalev up uh, for all intent and purposes. Might have ended Kovalev's career because Kovalev doesn't have that fear factor anymore. Uh, whenever uh, Andre Ward knocks out somebody, uh, that's the end. Because he's like Floyd, not known for knockout power. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. One last thing I wanted to mention was a schedule uh, October 14th. We read an email that uh, uh, was talking about uh, Lara uh, or Sandy Lara. Uh, he is on that card on Showtime. It's October 14th. Uh, Lara will be taking on a uh, undefeated young gun in Terrell Goshua, who's had some ups, ups and downs as a pro. 20-0 uh, and 0 with nine knockouts. That's going to be the fight. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think the pressure is on Goshua, even though Lara claims it's going to be an exciting fight. He's yet to really be in uh, one. The co-main event uh, is also uh, a decent one. Uh, Jermel, uh, Jermel Charlo, undefeated. Uh, he's a WBC champion, taking on the young gun in Erickson Lubin, a guy that uh, uh, was in the Florida State Golden Gloves who's amassed an 18-0 and record, a quality fighter. But this is, again... Uh, and, uh, by the way, Jarrett Hurd is taking on uh, Austin Trout. Um, good matchups on paper. Uh, the one thing I'm, I'm nervous about, you know, here we have this path where these young fighters, 20-0 uh, and 0 for Gashua and uh, Lubin, 18-0, and 0, you know, have been carefully moved, and now all of a sudden they go from, you know, uh, C and D-level fights to all of a sudden an A-level fight. Too big of a jump too quickly, Sal. Um, this is why I'm always saying that, these fighters have to be moved along and their level of opposition has to be increased, uh, you know, on a regular basis. They can't go from a baby step to a gallop in one shot. Well, if they do, I mean, they, they, it's their opportunity. It's their chance. If you protect a fighter for that long, you know, he may have that skill set. He may have that. And, you know, not that you say what he, what he does in a gym is, is relevant or, or, or how he's going to perform in a ring. But, you know, a manager does know if he keeps a fighter under wrap and he's a, he's a, he's a secret prize inside, guess what? A big jump like that is going to be like, hey, I'm ready for it. I could do it. Uh, but I do agree. A more uh, pragmatic way of bringing a fighter along is feeding him a steady diet of increasing his opposition on a regular basis, step by step, 
so he learns, he gets the experience, and then you uh, reveal him to be a world-class, well-rounded fighter. But like I said, I, I can't doubt because there's been many times where they kept the fighter under wraps and they fed him a, a diet of uh, 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 easy fights and then all of a sudden they had him step up. Uh, it's not the winning formula for all, but it has worked for some. Uh, this might be the case. If the guy could rise to the occasion, do it. Hey, let's, let's look at it. Um, listen, uh, uh, we are going to wrap it up right here. Um, I want to keep you guys uh, uh, in the loop. Uh, we are going to be introducing a new segment on this show that I'll talk about on Monday, so make sure you tune in to Monday's show. On this day, the first day of September in the history of boxing in the year 2000, uh, Dengman Theoba uh, knocks out uh, uh, Glenn Catley in the 12th round to win the WBC middleweight title. It took place in uh, uh, South Africa. Uh, on this day in 1960, Dulio Loy wins a 15-round decision over Carlos Ortiz uh, to win the uh, vacant uh, World Junior Welterweight title to place in Italy. On this day in 1983, Albert Davila knocks out uh, Kiko Benjines in the 12th round uh, to win the vacant WBC Bantamweight title. That took place in Los Angeles, California. On this day in 1908, Tommy Burns knocks out Bill Lang in the sixth round to retain the World Heavyweight title. That took place in the land down under, Australia. On this day in 1973, George Foreman knocks out Jose Roman in the first round to retain his World Heavyweight title. That took place in Japan. And on this day in... Uh, uh, 1923, September 1st, 1923, the late great Rocky Marciano was born uh, as Rocco Francis Marchiganio. Uh, I think that's how you pr pronounce it, Marchiganio. Uh, he uh, went on to a Hall of Fame career, 49 and over, 43 knockouts. He was inducted uh, in the Hall of Fame uh, in 1990. I think it was Marchigano, I think is how they pronounced it. But uh, anyway, that's what took oh, place. Look at spelling. Yeah, it's uh, M A R C H E G I A N O, Marchigano, right? Giano. I write that down. Anyway, M A um, M A R C H E G I A N. You're not writing. You're not writing. B H E G I A N O. And that'll be your assignment for the weekend. Hey, listen, you guys, make sure you tune in Monday morning. Marchigano. Marchigano, yeah, Marchigano. Marchigano. Make sure you tune in Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. No Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Ciao, baby.